Uh, welcome to Growing a Greener Kenai on this gorgeous Alaska Central Peninsula morning. And I'm sure some of you folks are thinking the same thing I'm thinking, and that is, do you think that we're going to be able to get our gardens in by 4th of July? I mean, isn't this incredible, the amount of snow that we have right now? Uh, it's beautiful, it's great, it's neat, but I'll tell you what, I'm ready, I'm ready for some melt to happen. And I don't know, it's, it's, just, it's just phenomenal this year how much snow, and I know we're getting close to breaking records, so, but anyway, we've got a little bit to talk about today, and uh, one of the things I want to let you guys know is... I'm kind of excited about it, and I'm not going to say who it is yet, but we've got a potential for a really nationally known guest, call-in guest, coming up this summer. And once I get that confirmed, I'll be sure and let everyone know the day the, that this person will be on. Now, last year, if you remember, I had Joe Lample from Growing a Greener World on uh, this program, and he has said that he will would love to come on again. So uh, I'll be setting up something with Joe, and we'll get him on Growing a Greener Kenai. And uh, if you remember last time when I told him uh, we named this show after his show, he actually uh, was he thought that was real nice of us to, to emulate his program here on the peninsula. So we'll be looking forward to having Joe back on at a future date, too, this summer. Well, what's going on? What are you folks doing with your garden? Not a whole lot. And I do want to remind you that if you remember, our phone number changed. It's 907-513-6169. If you ever feel like calling in, uh, we'd love to hear from you. And then you can uh, give us a, oh, you know, you can give us a, uh, give me an email at growingagreenerkenai at kdll.org. And uh, we'd love to hear from you that way if you if you don't want to call in. And as I've said before, if I can't answer your question, I can find someone who can answer your question. So give me a holler if you want to, and we'll see uh, we'll see if we can. If I can't, like I said, if I can't answer it, we'll get somebody else to answer it. Well, what's been going on, and what is going to be going on? Today's March fourth, obviously, and I want to let everybody know that. A week from today at 1 p.m. is our Central Peninsula Garden Club monthly meeting. And what we're doing that I think you guys would really enjoy, uh, that meeting will be on the 11th at 1 p.m. at College Heights Baptist Church. And we've got, we've got a, some a wonderful speakers this time. There, and all our speakers have been great. But we've got, I'm not sure their last name, but that's Jeff and Katie, and they're from a place called Frosty Gardens up at Fairbanks. And they believe in practicing and promoting sub-Arctic food security uh, through urban and semi-urban community agriculture. They've got like a 1,600-square-foot garden, uh, high tunnels, sub-irrigated sub -irrigated container gardens. Uh, they've got annual and perennial flowers. And these folks know how to garden in cold, cold weather. Now, we've got some folks uh, on the peninsula, too, that are well experienced with gardening in, in our climate. 
But up in Fairbanks, you know, they, those guys are getting down into the zone three, maybe even zone two in a couple places. So anyway, Jeff and Katie from Frosty Gardens, all the way from Fairbanks, they'll be our speakers a week from today, one o'clock at College Heights Baptist Church. And we'd love to see everybody there. Uh, we've usually got some snacks, some door prizes, and uh, it's just a bunch of folks getting together and talking garden, uh, talking gardening and uh and, and maybe learning something a little bit new. Okay, and then the next thing that's happening is on March the 18th, the next weekend, two weeks from today, we are having our annual Central Peninsula Garden Club Roundtable event at College Heights Baptist Church again, uh, 44440 uh, K Beach Road there in Soldotna. Kind of right across the street, uh, pretty much from the Franz Bread Outlet, if uh, for any folks that might not know where that is. And that's, uh, like I said, two weeks, March 18, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And if you've never been to one of our roundtables, it's, it's, really, it's really fun. And we literally set up a bunch of round tables, and we have local gardeners uh, present their expertise on what they do best. For instance... Bobby Jackson, every year she does, her table discusses berries, raspberries, uh, strawberries, and Bobby will be there. I'll be doing a presentation on growing potatoes. We've got some folks we will be doing making compost. Kathy will be doing seed starting. We'll have somebody uh, talking about peonies, hoop houses. Sarah from Sarah's Alaska Honey will be there. Uh, talking about bees, honeybees, if you if you ever want to do that. So it it uh, this year really promises to be a great roundtable, and they're all pretty good. But anyway, that's two weeks from today, 1 o'clock, College Heights Baptist Church, 10 to 2. Uh, we'd love to see you there, and we'll have, a little, we'll have a little fun with that. But you know, there's also, there are so many places to actually learn gardening and get advice besides the folks that live on the peninsula and grow here and they and their experience there's there's classes everywhere you know for instance today i'm sorry yeah today if you want to go at two o'clock this afternoon at the soldatna library laura Hagelin from stellaria trial garden She'll be doing a presentation on starting plants from seed. Then the 11th from 1030 to 1230, that puts it a little bit close to the garden program at, at uh, 1 o'clock at College Heights Baptist Church. They're just going to get about together at Soldatna Library from 1030 to, to noonish um, and talk seeds. And then some gardening classes are coming up for for especially uh, some of the local folks here in the Kenai and the Kiski area, and it's not that far of a drive. But in April, April 6th, 13th, and 20th, there are classes to be held at the Nikiski Community Recreation Center, and they're led by Ray and Faith South, uh, Southwell and Tony Loop in cooperation with the Nikiski Community Garden. So on April 6th, they'll have a... a seminar on prepping your garden on april 13th they'll have mid-season garden care and then on april 20th they will do a end of season care and i uh, you know i might i might see if i can't get up to them and they're all free and i think uh, i think it'd be a great uh, 
a great resource for low and like I says, especially some of you folks, maybe more in the Keener or the folks that live up in the Kiski area. And then if you're interested, April 7th and 8th, that does kind of conflict a little bit with the uh, April 6th Nikiski. Up in Anchorage, there is the Alaska Master Gardeners Annual Conference, uh, if you're interested in going, anyone's interested in going to that. So anyway, there's a lot of places out there where you can learn more and more about gardening. And, you know, when I, when I was working... My uh, my boss, I, you know, might travel all the way across the country to go to a training class. And I told my boss one time, I said, I said, you know, I said, man, I spent the whole week out there. I mean, I spent the whole weekend in Ohio or D.C. or something like that. I said, uh, it wasn't all that good. And he told me, he says, you know, he said, he said, Larry, he said, if you went out there and if you just learned one or two things at that week-long seminar that helps you do a better job, then that was worth going to. So I got to thinking about that, and a lot of these classes that folks take, you know, I mean, I, I'm i pretty good at, at gardening. We've got great gardeners down here, but there's always something else to learn. And I think that is what going to some of these classes are. You might go to one of these classes and sit all the way through it and then sit there the whole time going i know how to do that i know how to do that oh i know how to do that but then all of a sudden something will come up that oh i've i've never heard of that one before you know i'll give you a great example of that some years back i did a presentation for the garden club on potatoes and i discussed determinate and indeterminate potatoes and the bobby jackson who is a as we all know is a fantastic gardener and farmer uh, on the on the central peninsula here she didn't know about determinate or indeterminate potatoes so here's bobby with all this experience and i was able to teach her something new to someone who in my mind has probably forgotten more about gardening than i might ever know so that's what i mean by that there's always something new to learn regardless of how much experience that you have well, I do want to let you know that my wife, Marty, and I, we just got back a couple of weeks ago from the Northwest Flowering Garden Show in Seattle. And I have to tell you, as always, what a fantastic show it was. It's just almost overwhelming how much, how much there is to, to do with this thing. Uh, they, they have within the, within the whole thing, there's 30,000 plants, blooming flowers, uh, just, just incredible. Uh, the marketplace had over 320 vendors. Now the, what they, what they do, uh, with the vendors too, is they got one section that they kind of put away from everybody, you know, cause you always, you know how you've always got the like at a home show or something. You got they got some people they were trying to sell mattresses and people selling a few other. They put them kind of off in their own area and get them away from the the true uh, meaning of the of the show for the vendors that are selling plants and and uh, compost and design and all that. But for the most part, and I would be surprised if there was even twenty of them, ten ten of them. Uh, that, that were selling 
things that were not really garden related. Unless you want to put a bed in your greenhouse, take a nap every now and then. I know, uh, I know I tend to fall asleep in my greenhouse sometimes. And, uh, but it was such a fun show. There were over 50 nurseries there, garden centers. They had uh, specialty plant shops, uh, and they had seminars. And, and what was really neat was for you folks that uh, went to the, uh, one of the garden program shows here, uh, I think it was in, yeah, it was in January, uh, Patrick Ryan from the Alaska Botanical Garden, their education specialist, Patrick was down there uh, doing a seminar, a, a DIY thing. And what he was doing was making, he was uh, showed everybody how to make a concrete planter. And it was really, it was really pretty cool. Uh, they have seminars down there, and then they have what it's called is the the DIY, the do-it-yourself stage, and that's what Patrick was doing on the do the do-it-yourself stage. And they show people, everybody goes down, and all these presenters, you can learn how to do about anything on the DIY stage. Like I said, like I said, Patrick Patrick was down there making a concrete planter. Uh, Someone, uh, uh, they're doing uh, uh, planting uh, perennials, bulbs, and tubers for you. Uh, it was just fantastic. Growing and propagating begonias. They show you how to split roots. It was just uh, wonderful. Now, the one thing that, that I've always been disappointed, and I learned about these, uh, the first garden show I went to some years back, and that was mason bees. And they've got a guy that, you know, shows you how to set your mason bees up. Well, mason bees just don't make it up here. They're great pollinators, but they just don't make it. They're just now starting to hatch out down in the Pacific Northwest and down in the lower 48. And we just uh, we just don't have the food for them. You know, what, what you're basically doing, and if anybody has ever had success with them i'm uh, not aware of it now maybe down in southeast they might be able to get by a little bit more but even they've had a lot of snow this year so i did everything twice i tried twice to get my base mason bees to go and you're basically paying the money you're getting the cocoons up here they hatch out and you're just providing food for the birds so i've quit doing that and i even talked to some of the mason bee growers down there and uh uh, folks that that ship out the cocoons and they said yeah it's just they said we've tried in alaska we've had other people try in alaska and it just doesn't work so so i give it but but you know you can you can learn all that stuff you know they show you how to do house plants the language of flowers you know uh uh Oh, I just lost the word out of my head. Pruning. They also get up there and show you how to prune the right thing. And another person that was really fun to run into and talk to, and I didn't know her, but I talked to her a little bit, is if any of you folks by any chance have heard of her, know Ginger Hudson. She's a garden designer and director at the Jensen Olsen Arboretum in Juneau. So she was doing a seminar, and she was uh, the title of her a seminar, not the DIY stage, a, a talk, uh, Quintessential Signs of Spring. And what they do down there is they have sem they have the DIY stage, and then they have seminars. And, I mean, uh, it's every day, all day, and you can't go to all of them. It's just there's too much going on, so you have to pick out what you might want to go to. And uh, Marty and I, we went to one, and we were talking to a, a lady uh, 
Mary Gordon, I think her name was. I've got all her stuff written down. But she came all the way over from Great Britain, the uh, from the Somerset area, uh, from the western uh, side, of, the southwestern side of England. And she did a presentation. And what's really neat is Marty and I are hoping, barring unforeseen circumstances, that we'll be over there in September. And she invited us to visit her farm. So I'm looking forward to potentially being able to do that. So once again, it's a great show. If you haven't been there, I would really recommend you sometime down the road. It's not like it's, uh, it's free or anything, but sometime down the road, it's at least worth going to once if you've never been to it. And they've got uh, packages that give you a better hotel room rate. And uh, there's ways, uh, you know, you can either go uh, for one day, you can get a two-day pass, or you can get a pass for the, for the whole show and go in and out as you as you like but it's worth going to and i'll tell you we we love it I, I don't know if we'll go next year i'm i'm actually i actually threw my hat in the ring to maybe do a presentation next year so if i get to do that we'll go again but if if i don't get on the list to do that or if they don't think what i've got to say is is worth a hoot then we'll we'll probably wait a year and, and we'll skip a year or two and then we'll go back again so anyway uh there again like i said it is it's worth going to though and uh boy i sure sure like to see some folks get down and in fact surprisingly we ran into quite a few alaska folks you know uh what's her name carol carol uh carol simons i believe it is from utopia gardens up at butte up north of anchorage we ran into her there we you know we were sitting in the seminar and we just was talking to somebody and they said well where are you guys garden we said alaska and then all of a sudden this lady comes up and goes oh i'm from alaska where are you guys and that's how we met so many alaska people everybody's asking where do you garden and i'll tell you what there were actually quite a few alaska folks down there now i don't know if there was anybody else uh, down there from the peninsula but we ran into quite a few folks that were from up in the anchorage area so so anyway, but anyway, give it a try and uh, see if you might see if you might like it and uh, have a little have a little fun with that. Uh, it's it's like I said, it's worth going to. Well, what are you folks doing right now? I know what I'm doing right now. I have actually started working on my greenhouse. I know that's wishful thinking, but here just the other day, the first thing I did. Uh, you know, you kind of you kind of let your greenhouse go a little bit toward the end of the year. Well, I still had some corn stalks in there that I just left up. And I know it's crazy, but whenever I was I was out in the garden this fall in my greenhouse and I had my corn stalks up there and I was getting ready to take them out in the fall. Well, I looked up and up on this corn stalk was this little bitty mouse and it was just sitting there looking at me. And I'll have to tell you, even though I'll set traps out, we've all set traps out, we get rid of those little guys. This little mouse was so cute sitting up there. And I know what he was doing is I had a couple of little bitty short ears that were trying to grow. And, and if you folks remember, that was the corn. I was trying to grow some popcorn. And it just had such a long growing season. The stalks grew great. The ears started to form, but it just didn't have time to mature. Too long too absolutely too long but anyway i saw this little mouse up there and i couldn't bring myself to take the corn stalks out because i knew this little mouse and maybe there was a pair of them 
were in there and they were going up and probably nibbling on the, the little ears of corn. So I left the stalks in there. I haven't seen the mice again. Uh, maybe they're in there. Maybe they're not. As long as they're not getting up and eating what I'm growing. A lot of times I'll let, I'll let a couple little mice hang out in my greenhouse. It's just, it's just I just think it's kind of cool. You know, but if they start causing trouble, then by God, I'm setting a, I'm setting a trap out and snap, they're gone. So as long as they get along with me, I'll let them live in the greenhouse a little bit. Now, if I got 20 of them running around, that's a little different. So anyway, uh, here just the other day, I cut all the corn stalks out and uh, threw them out on top of the snow. I need to uh, walk them back to my compost pile, throw, throw them in that. And uh, I'm starting the process, even though, like I said, it's wishful thinking. I'm starting the process to get maybe get the greenhouse fired up a little bit and at least be ready i want to i want to get it done now and and it's a little easier for me too because i'm um, i'm retired you know so i've got plenty of time to do it and it is a little bit different for folks that work but it's it's something i'm doing right now i've got uh, i had uh, last fall before because i knew it'd be under a bunch of snow i got bags of compost in there i've got things in the greenhouse uh, that are ready to use and now I don't, and I'm so glad I did that. Otherwise, they'd have been under five feet of snow, and who knows when I would have been able to get them. In fact, I might have had to go buy some more, you know, which also brings me to the point. I want to let everybody know, uh, I'm glad I said that because I had, had forgotten to write it down. One of the things the Garden Club does every year is we have a fundraiser where we sell soil amendments. Well, it's, I don't know what it is, but we're getting, having more and more trouble getting volunteers to help with this. And some of us are getting old enough where it's hard for us to handle 50 and 60 pound bags of, of stuff. <coughs> oh, excuse me. So what we've done is, and more information will come out, and especially I'll do that on the, on the next show in April, is we've talked to some of the vendors that we get our supplies from. And what we're going to do is like for the month of May, when you go in and we'll probably send out a little order form that everybody can fill out and take to that particular vendor and we and you will give that to them and, and you'll just buy it directly from that vendor. And then the vendor uh, is going to give the garden club a donation based on the number of sales of that those particular items that we typically sell. And our one vendor is Kenai Feed, Sarah Kenai Feed. Sarah has agreed to do that. So instead of us getting the orders together, getting everything stacked up, having everybody come to the garden club or to uh, Kenai Feed on a particular day to pick their stuff up, you'll just have the flexibility to go get the stuff from Sarah and she will donate a certain percentage of those sales back to the garden club as our fundraiser and we've still got a couple more vendors that we need to contact and confirm how we're going to do this but we think it makes everything easier on everybody it makes it uh, easy on on uh, you the buyer uh, having a, a leeway to get out there and buy your stuff uh, be easier on the garden club uh, for getting a uh, 
volunteers to help take care of it. So we're still working on that. But uh, like I said, especially uh, that information will come out in the next April newsletter of the Garden Club. And then next year, uh, month on this show, I'll give everybody the straight the straight skinny on how we're going to get that done. So that'll that'll uh, we're hoping that works out pretty well for us all. You know, it's uh, it's just one of those things. So anyway, we were talking about what you're doing. I'm cleaning out my greenhouse. I got my stuff in there. And oh, here coming up, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe tomorrow I'll get out there and I'll start spreading a few things out, maybe cleaning up a little bit, getting because if you any of you folks are like me, my greenhouse through the winter gets a little rough. And I don't heat mine, obviously. Uh, now, some of you folks that heat years some folks i know have theirs uh, hooked onto their house and they like to grow all winter well i don't uh, i don't do that so so anyway uh, we'll i'll work i'll be working on that and i know i know some folks uh, our one uh, wonderful local gardener marcia kardaski uh, we've been communicating back and forth on our facebook page and she said her door is frozen shut. She can't get into her greenhouse. She didn't make a path. I snow blow a path to my greenhouse all winter long so I can walk out there for any reason, you know, wishful thinking, I guess. So anyway, I, I can get to my and then I've got a cover over the end of my greenhouse, uh, a, long, a big cover where I can get and work under there with a sink uh, in the rain and the whatever, whatever uh, weather. Can. So my my door doesn't get any snow in front of it. And so anyway, we're uh, we've been talking and she she can't get to her greenhouse right now. So maybe somebody can get out there and uh, snow blow a path for her if uh, if you know, Marsha. So anyway, what's uh, I've talked before about what is the time to actually be planting right now? Well, what you should have going right now, you ought to basically have your labelia going. Uh, that should be going uh, right about now. You can start your gladiolus, hollyhocks, and digitalis plants. I've actually got my celery and leeks ready to go. I'm going to get them going. I'm actually a little bit later. I wanted to get them done right when I got back from uh, from Seattle. But uh, I'm getting ready to get those going. And once again, I, I told you I'm going to be doing the uh, growing potatoes at the round table, showing folks how to really grow potatoes in containers. Well, I planted some potatoes the other day, and I've got one, the, you know, the they were chitting out the plants they grew last year. They're starting to chit out a little bit and get a little sprouts. Well, I planted them in a couple of small containers, and I got one that's just now starting to peak right at the ground level. So I'm hoping in a couple of weeks that I've got some good green on a couple of potato plants that are in smaller containers and to be able to bring those uh, to the round table and we'll see how that goes. So, like I said, uh, get your celery and leeks going about now and some flowers to start. You can get your snapdragons, carnations, lobelia still, pansies, and uh, then again, uh, uh, celery. And uh, you can get some fuchsias going down, or or I think as Jeff Lowenfels likes to say it, fuchsias, but uh, I've always heard it uh, pronounced fuchsia. So um, I don't know about it. I don't think it matters. It's just like I tell everybody that the part of the country we're from, I say peony. 
but everybody else says peony. You know, if you're back in our southwest Missouri in the Ozarks, everybody I know always said peony. You know, whether is it right or wrong? I don't know. As long as we all know what we're talking about, I think that's uh, that's that's the key more than anything. So, uh, and once again, I want to let you know that one of the the, the best places, and, and I'm actually hoping uh, to get posted, but if you go to the Central Peninsula Club Garden Club Facebook page and you go to a, a place called the headline uh, menu called Files, you'll get up Jeff Lowenfeld's planning uh, schedule. And that's where you can, can literally see. Now, we've got a local gardener that I'd like to get who's got her own planning schedule that she's used for years. And I want to get that. And I didn't get a chance to get that for this show or get it posted. But, you know, Anchorage, the Anchorage growing area, it's different than the growing area down here on the peninsula, even though as the crow flies, they're only, what, 70, 80 miles north of us. But it's a different growing environment. Just like in Anchorage, it's a different environment for folks that live down on the flat part of Anchorage, maybe closer to the inlet, as opposed to someone that lives up against the mountains or even up hillside. You know, those folks have winter. Winter hits them two to four weeks before anybody else and their growing season, their gardening season is two to four weeks after everybody else in the spring because they get so much more snow and it's a, it's a different, it's a different zone up the side of the mountains. So anyway, check out Jeff's. uh, And when I'm, when I'm reading you some of these things to start, I'm just looking at Jeff's, Jeff Lowenfeld's recommendations for that. And as we all know, Jeff is uh, one of the quintessential, uh, gardeners in Alaska. And, uh, you know, I, I read a, a stat about him the other day that said that I think it's been 40 years now and he has never missed a weekly garden column in the Anchorage newspapers, which is which is really phenomenal, really phenomenal. So anyway, look at Jeff's schedule and we'll talk about that a little bit more. And then we'll uh, we'll hopefully get an, uh, more of an updated schedule for us down here on the peninsula on when uh, when we like to start things and there again some of these classes uh, you might want to go to uh, they also will tell you what to start when to start how to start them and that stuff so so uh, think about some of those think about some of those classes uh, that you might you might want to attend uh, one of the things I want to talk about this uh, last half of the show is something my wife and I are wanting to get into. We haven't ever really done much of, and that's getting into flowers. We grow a lot of vegetables, and we're trying to get more into flowers. And what we want to try and get into a little bit, too, is flowers you can eat. Now, I know a lot of folks do this. Some folks do this. And... So that's what we're wanting to maybe think about doing. Now, we know some of the flowers and some of the things you can eat, for instance, uh, chives. Chives are actually a flower, and uh, chives are are part of the allium family, which includes uh, the chives, leeks, garlic. uh, And we all know how good those items are. But, you know, the flowers in all these are edible. Chives, leeks, and garlic flowers are edible. Uh, in fact, 
a lot of the plants we grow, uh, the entire plant is edible. You know, for instance, uh, a broccoli plant, you can you can eat the leaves of the broccoli plant and, uh, you know, not not the, the head. You know, we all eat the, the broccoli head, but the flowers are the, uh, I'm sorry, the, the broccoli head is what the flowers come up. But the leaves of the broccoli plant are, they're okay to eat. The leaves of a cauliflower plant are okay to eat. So, a lot of these these flowers, they have a great, great flavor to them. And one of the things I was looking at here a while back is, is you can actually pickle chive blossoms and use them however, you know, put them in with uh, your cream cheese to have on a bagel. You know, so that's one of the things we're wanting to do. And, and I'm thinking that I might, in one of my uh, gardens up by the house, thinking about maybe starting some of these where they will potentially become perennial, get a little bit more protected, stay a little bit warmer up by the house, and be uh, more perennial, uh, like chives. And uh, that's, the, that's the one that I think I would like to try there. Then another one that most folks know is nasturtium. The blossoms, they're, they're peppery. And if you've ever had watercress, watercress has kind of got a, a peppery flavor to that too. And all, all the colors, all the varieties of nasturtiums are edible. And the same way with them, the leaves can be eaten too. Now, we've never eaten the leaves, but I know uh, my wife just loves nasturtiums. She loves to grow nasturtiums. And we've put some in salads before. And, and they're okay. They do have a, a, a peppery taste, but we want to get more into this and, and see if we can do it. And it kind of brightens your foods up. Marigolds. You can eat marigold. The the little bitty flowers of the signet marigolds, marigolds, and there's one called lemon gem and tangerine gem. Uh, their blossoms have a citrus taste, so you can put those in salads. You can do however you want with those. The uh, on oh, this is a one that I've liked doing that I really would want to try this year is pansies and Johnny jump ups. Pansy flowers are elbow, and I, in doing a little research for this, it was really pretty cool in that they took Johnny Jump Up leads, these little Johnny Jump Up flowers, and they put them in an ice cube tray and with, with water, and now the ice cubes they put into a drink have got little edible flowers floating around it made the, the drink really bright whether you're drinking an alcoholic drink or uh, an iced tea or whatever and they've kind of got a wintergreen flavor and you can put them on anything people put them on cakes other desserts uh, you can you can steep these you can make jelly and it's just like our uh, uh, fireweed making fireweed jelly you put those in you steep them make a tea you make make jelly out of fireweed uh, which is pretty, which is pretty cool, you know. So uh, yeah, the Johnny Jump Up flowers, uh, the blue and yellow in an ice cube tray are just uh, just cute as can be, uh, if you like that sort of thing. The calendulas, uh, it's uh, a pr prolific flower. It's easy to grow, and you can put the the petals into salads. They're yellow, orange, and red, and if you keep pulling the flowers off you know how you uh, you do a lot of a lot of your flower plants you 
remove the spent flowers and the plants will continually bloom into late fall. So that's a, that's a good one. Uh, and, and I'll tell you what, one thing that I don't, I'm not really sure it grows up here, and that's honeysuckle. I have never seen honeysuckle up here, but those blossoms are, are good too. And as a kid, maybe some of you folks that grew up in the Midwest, you know, honeysuckle grows all over the place there. We'd find a honeysuckle vine growing on a fence anywhere, and you pull the flowers off, and you could suck the, the nectar out of the back of the flower. You know, you pull the flower off, bite the end of it, and, and just suck. And, boy, you, we, we, we just do that forever. And uh, they're delicious. You know, that was, that was really a lot of fun doing that as a kid. You know, and as you grow up a little bit, you don't do it too much. As, as you grow up, you walk by and see a honeysuckle bush, and you grab one, you do it, and it says, oh, that, that takes me back to being a kid. So honeysuckle work. Uh, scarlet runner beans. Those, they have bright red flowers, and you can put them into a salad or with steamed veggies. Um, and we all know this one we grow up here is borage. Uh, it's a fuzzy-leafed herb, uh, sky blue flowers, has a light cucumber taste. And you can put it in fruit salad, green salad, freeze an ice cube for cold drinks, and um, and that, you know. So so that's another thing to think about growing. And borage grows really where Bobby Jackson grows fantastic borage out at Jackson Gardens, you know. So that'd be a, uh, that'd be a, a good thing to try growing. Bee balm, I, I think we can grow bee balm up here. It's a member of the mint family, and I know that's, uh, well, we definitely grow mint. Uh, and their colors range from bright red to purple and pink. Chamomile, uh, well, you can grow chamomile like there's no tomorrow. Uh, small daisy-like flower. They have kind of a oh, they have kind of an apple flavor. Uh, uh, now, one of the things, uh, and I don't think we have it up here, but uh, the research I did on this it says if you're allergic to ragweed, you might want to avoid chamomile. So, and I and I do have to tell you a oh, uh, kind of a funny story about chamomile is years ago I've told you folks I used to work in the uh, in the environmental business and. Uh, I did a, a short stint with a private engineering firm, and one of our young engineers at the time, he was going out and working, doing some work at a at a remote site. We were government contractors, and he's out there. Well, they pull him over to the side, and the police are there and everything, and they, out of his luggage, and this is 20-plus years ago, out of his luggage, they pull out this big gallon Ziploc bag, and they they look at him and says, uh, "All right, son, you uh, you want to tell us about this?" He's like, "What? What?" And they said, "This is an entire gallon bag of weed." And he looks at him and he's like. It's not weed. It's chamomile tea, for God's sake. So they opened it up and they're like. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you know, so, so that was uh, that was one of the good ones, you know. So, uh, yeah, they were. He's like, good gravy. Just he couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe it. So, but yeah, chamomile. You can make your own tea if you want. There's and and you know, practically everything I'm talking. You can make tea. Uh, you can definitely make tea uh, out of out of so much of this stuff. And then uh, daylily buds. Uh, and flowers, they're supposed to take a little taste a little bit like asparagus. 
Uh, they can be used as a garnish or can be stuffed and made into fritters. Man, that sounds like that might be kind of good. And mint. We all know mint. Uh, all flowers in the mint family are edible, 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 and have a pleasant taste. Lemon balm or spearmint and iced tea, mint, uh, those are those are great. Now, some of these, I know a lot of you folks know this one, but some of these like chives, some of the green onions, uh, the walking onions, uh, even pansies will do this, although pansies are a little bit easier to look at. But mint, boy, those things will take over your garden if you're not careful. Now, what... What we've done with our mint is, you know, I took, a, I think it's a, I think it was a two and a half gallon, might have been a two gallon uh, plastic pot, you know, like you would get something from a greenhouse buying your, buying a plant. And I cut the bottom out of it and I sunk that into the ground in a, our little uh, herb garden on one side of the house. I sunk that into the ground and then I planted my mint in that and what that does is that keeps your mint corralled for a long time because it will take over if you're not careful. And if you want that to happen, that's that's just fine. Uh, that's fine. Uh, but what it'll do is some of the bigger branches, you know how our plants have where leaves are coming, they have the nodes on there. If, uh, if one of those... Uh, vine parts or or the the branch of a mint's coming out and it lays over and it touches the ground then those nodes will start to root and then the next thing you know you have got mint everywhere and you've got to get do some digging to get it up so anyway we keep our mint kind of pruned where it where it stands up and and, and it might be the the variety we have that actually it's actually up there and uh, it's uh, it, it stands up a lot. So anyway, but we cut it, and then uh, through the winter we we dry some on our dehydrator, and then we've got dried mint for the winter. So anyway, you need to be careful of that, or it'll take over. The chives, their seeds, just they produce a ton of seeds, and they'll just they'll spread out all over the place too. I know uh, one of the unfortunate things, if you folks have driven by the food bank, you notice uh, they lost their high tunnel of which they've already gotten grant money and uh, it's going to get replaced this summer. And if you ever looked in their high tunnel, they had the most massive group of green onions growing because they just kept multiplying and multiplying and multiplying and it was uh, just a massive massive man and i don't know uh, if i guess it probably has survived but they're going to have to do some work on that to uh, to get that fixed but yeah that's some of that stuff will take over if you're in fact not not careful with it now like i said if you if you've got plenty of room if you don't care then uh, you know let them let them go if you've got a big garden. But if but if space is a problem for you, uh, you need to watch out because they will they will literally take over everything. Uh, and then one of the other things that you can eat 
which I've never done this, but I've seen on some of the cooking shows, and that's squash blossoms. I've seen people take a squash blossom and they batter them and then deep fry them. And you can do the same thing. You can, uh, you can stuff those and cook them, and you've got a pretty good meal. Now, I'd like to give that a try this year and see just how well that works and uh, see what they taste like. So, uh, so, so, that the, so the neat thing, though, is that so many parts of our plants are fully edible, and especially flowers that a lot of folks don't realize. They, they're always pretty to look at, but there's so many things that you can do with them. And chive flowers, I think chive flowers are beautiful, you know, kind of depending on what, what you're going to get that purpley color. And I usually have to have my wife tell me what color stuff is because I'm just a little colorblind. So a lot of times I'll be saying what color I say. Oh, those are pretty blue flowers. She'll go, actually, those are purple, Larry. So, so anyway, anyway, that's one of the things to think about uh, in your garden is getting more plants, flowers rather, that are just as edible as some of the vegetables we grow. And getting into vegetables... You know, I told you folks, uh, I I kind of I kind of told you that I wasn't going to buy any seeds this year, and I and I want to. I'm glad I said that too because one of the things I've always been surprised with that flower show in Seattle, in the convention center, the place is huge. Like I said, I'll sit in; it's massive, and, and I mean they're bringing in boulders the size of cars and trucks. It's amazing. They give them three days to set up two days to tear down and apparently it's mayhem but anyway you can buy every kind of plant you can buy tubers rhizome you can buy everything down there but nobody ever sells seeds we only saw two vendors that actually had seeds and they were smaller you know they were on a little rotating thing and they were actually smaller than you know what you can get at any big box store so that was that kind of always has surprised me is they they never have seeds at this program excuse me which you would think would be one of some of the prime things to be selling out of things like this is uh, being a seed vendor so anyway i told everybody that I didn't need any seeds this year. I didn't put in a seed order. I didn't, nothing. I've got plenty, and I will uh, do some some test germinations to see how well they go, and I'll uh, get my starts going. But I did wind up buying a different type of corn seed. And, uh, oh, and I, I, I just have to, I, I can't think of the name of it right now, but I bought a packet of corn seed, and... Uh, it's a it's a variety that only gets about five or six feet tall. Uh, says it'll get one, sometimes two ears uh, per stalk. So uh, that's the only seed that I in fact bought this year, and I've even had I've had good luck. So I'm gonna I'm gonna see how it goes this year, because I I know what it's like, folks. I know what it's like to get that seed catalog, and you just. Oh my gosh, I need this, I need this, I need this. When you might have them already in a, in a storage spot uh, and you, you may or may not need them. So I've been going through my seed stock right now and I keep all mine, as I've mentioned before, I keep all my seeds uh, in one of the crisper drawers of our icebox. 
and it takes up a little bit of space, but, uh, and I've got a CRISPR box is full of seeds. So anyway, that's what I'm going to be doing is uh, using those seeds in my garden this year and try to get, try to get those used up instead of buying more seeds of items that I already have. So we'll see how that goes. And I, and I mentioned before to remind you folks, sometimes uh, seeds, can, seeds can really be, a, a, depending on how big your garden is, they can be a pretty big expense for some folks. And once again, to let folks know if you're looking to save a couple of bucks, then you ought to get with a couple of friends. For instance, does anybody need 300 radish seeds? Not necessarily. So uh, get with a couple of friends and buy a pack of seeds and split them. And that'll save you a couple of bucks. And But it is so easy to get to buy more seeds. Than, you know, if, if I could plant every single seed I have, uh, I, could, I could feed the city of Soldatna. I'm telling you, I've got more seeds. So that's why I'm not buying anymore. I'm going to do my best to use what I've got. And like I said, I'll do a couple of test germinations with, uh, with, uh, a paper towel folded over with uh, like 10 seeds in there and, uh, see what kind of germination rate I get. And, uh, and then, uh, that's what I'll give a try. And one of the other things that I'm going to do this year, and I've done this before, and a lot of people don't do this. Uh, you know, Bobby Jackson, she soaks all her seeds. She starts them in water. And I've tried her method before on some items, and it, and it doesn't work too bad. You know, you take your uh, take radish seeds, and I put them in a little Dixie cup. Uh, and a lot of times you put them in at, at noon one day and you go at noon the next day and you got a little white sprout coming out of them. And definitely in about two days uh, to three days, you've got every one of them is sprouted with that little, little white root starting to come out. Then what you do is you just make a little, uh, uh, a little furrow in where you're going to plant them and drop them in there and don't even cover them up. And boy, you'll get you'll get radishes and that gets them going pretty quick. But one of the things you can do that I've done before is I have pre-germinated carrot seeds and I'm going to work on that again this year. And, you know, a lot of times people you you pre-germinate things maybe in a, a tissue paper or a paper towel. And I don't I don't do that because that little tiny root, it'll actually grow into and through that particular tissue. So what I've done, and I and there again, I learned this from a guy in Europe watching him pre-germinate these seeds. And I take some cardboard, you know, not not cardboard like from a cereal box or anything like that, but regular cardboard from a from a shipping box. You know, it's got the corrugated in there, and I soak that. I soak that cardboard, get it good and wet, and then I lay my uh, carrot seeds on that cardboard. I space them out. And one of the easiest ways to pick up a real tiny seed is you can do a couple ways. Some folks use a little pointed paintbrush, a little tiny pointed bait brush, and you touch the wire, you do it. But I use a matchstick, a wooden matchstick, and you just tap the end 
not the end that lights, but tap the wooden end of that into a little water and touch your seed, and it picks that seed right up. And then I will put that seed onto that cardboard because for whatever reason, uh, the, the roots of that seed, when they start to come out, they don't, oh well, what's the word I'm looking for? They, they don't grow into that cardboard and they're so much easier to get off to put into the ground. So anyway, you do that and then I put another soaked piece of cardboard on top of those seeds and then I put them in a zipper bag, you know, a sandwich bag or something like that. And boy, you look and you know, Carrots are one of those things. Sometimes it takes them a long time to germinate when you're putting them in the ground. Well, I'll tell you what, I've gone back in three to four days and I've had carrot seeds starting to sprout. And then you very carefully put them into the ground and they can potentially grow carrots just as good as doing a direct. So now I still, I direct so too, you know. So anyway, that's, uh, that's one of the, that's one of the ways I do it. And it's, uh, it's just a, uh, just another different way to do it. And one of the things some folks don't realize, and I had someone that didn't believe this, one of the cool things to do for kids uh, to show them how uh, something sprouts is to uh, get out there, just get the beans, your navy beans you bought at the grocery store, uh, soak them a little bit, and put them in between a couple pieces of wet paper towel, put them in a zip bag, a zipper bag, and in a couple days you've got roots coming out of those. And I had one friend that said, there's no way that those grow. And I go, what do you mean there's no way those grow? That's what, that's the seed of a particular plant. So, oh my goodness, folks. Well, holy cow. Uh, We've been talking here for a little while. And I'll tell you what, Octopus's Garden, I can't believe that uh, this much time's already gone by. I certainly hope you enjoyed this show and that you'll come back and listen uh, with me on uh, on the April show. And, you know, here starting off, we've got the April, and then starting in May, we'll have a lot more to talk about because in May, we go back to twice a month shows uh, because there's going to be a lot more going on and we want to see what the status is, how people are progressing with their gardens and getting ready to go. You know, you get to the 1st of May and you better have your tomatoes going. You better have all your starts uh, pretty much getting ready to go. Uh, That is if we don't have three feet of snow on the ground uh, by that time, which I don't think we will. But anyway, well, thanks so much for listening, folks. Uh, We certainly appreciate it. We're glad to have you listening. We we love gardening on the peninsula. And uh, I want to let folks know, too, this is listener-supported public radio for the Central Kenai Peninsula, KDLL 91.9 FM, Kenai Soldatna, 